we go. Good morning, church. It's good to be together today as we uh, get into the Word a little bit. Hopefully this will all work out like it's supposed to. Time to clean. That sounds like something I should say at home. So as we get rolling today, a few things to know. Uh, one, uh, we do have our budget discussion coming up this coming Wednesday night at 6.30 in here. Um, if you'd like to just have a little bit deeper Q&A, next week following service, we will have our annual business meeting. We'll have our budget presentation uh, following service. You want to be aware of that and uh, all those kinds of goodies going on. Uh, when Pastor Mike and I were talking two weeks ago just about um, Christy and I's uh, time last week that we spent uh, on, on stage talking, uh, he, he said, David, do you have a minute? sit down I want to tell you a story and if you're ever in the office that's what Mike you just you have a minute let me sit down and tell you a story and it's always worth sitting down for you know what I mean like it's always good and he said David I didn't see sacrificial living and giving as a part of really wanting to be a growing disciple um, in ministry um, and even as a minister's spouse we feel like those things are mandatory and actually resentment can grow inside of us because well I've got to do it and it's not you know x y or z and it's amazing when God calls us into that, how we have to find ourselves, just like everyone in the pew around us, saying, God, I want this to be a living sacrifice. I want, my, I want to be a sacrificial serving. I want to be a sacrificial giver and what that looks like. And when Mike said, I didn't understand that or see that as part of my discipleship and my maturity for a long time. I said, man, I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about that. Because he said something that so many of uh, others have said is, I wanted someone to disciple me, but I couldn't find someone to do it. And so we've kind of talked through, through that along the way. And so, Mike, um, thanks for sharing a little bit of your story with us. We know anytime we talk about that, it's, it's good and, and, and um, it's a little bit exposing. And so I appreciate that uh, as we do. Um, last week, we ended service um, with a time of prayer. And I just want to let you know, uh, Christy and I were, were overwhelmed after the fact, maybe more than inside. Number one, um, Christy may have to help me preach more often because a whole lot more people commented and told her what, she, what they took away from it. So I'm just telling you, she's, she did great. She's out of that for, for a while. Uh, but the second thing is this. We had 94 families say that we want to join you in living, giving, and serving sacrificially here within our church family. That's incredible to us and so um, we've already started creating a spreadsheet and our goal is by the end of january to contact every family and just say do you want us to run this journey with you in 2023 do you want us to check on you uh, and hear your stories and doing that and um, we'll reach out to you we want it to be our best way to say we're with you um, but we don't want you to feel like we're you know pastor david peeking into what's going on in your world that kind of thing and so um, we'll try and make it as, as good as possible to say, here's what we'll do and here's how we check on you. Um, but we didn't ever dream 94 families would be walking with us on this journey. And uh, we want to give attention to everybody, not just in prayer, um, but in pastoral care too. So that's all that's going on with a bunch of Christmas stuff happening um, next week at our church. I'm giving you some announcements just because now is the time I'm going to do it. Uh, next week uh, at four o'clock at our house, we would love, it is four o'clock, right? It's four o'clock at our house. Um, we're having our open house. And so if you don't have plans already, we would love for you to swing in, stop by, get it to go box. We don't care. We just want to have you in our home, taste some of the treats and spend a little time together uh, as a family. So we do that open house every year. And so we'd love for you to join us on that. All right. Whew. I feel like that was a lot of announcements, y'all. 
today we're starting our Christmas series that I meant to start last week. Um, if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 14, all right? So this is where we are, and this is where we're going. And, and I'm not sure about your rhythms in life, um, but I want to do my best to tell you mine so that you know what's going on. Um, I tend to know where I'm going in my sermons way in advance in general. Um, Christy taught me a lesson years ago that if you plan ahead, then it's easy to be flexible later on, um, which is a really impressive note of wisdom that I had not lived by. My thought was just don't plan ahead. That way everything's flexible and life is good. No, everything's stressful and life's not good. So, so plan ahead. And so just in planning ahead, um, knowing this Christmas, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2, verse 14, almost uniquely by itself and pulling it apart. Um, and, and if you don't know what this passage is, uh, let me read it to you. The angels come before the shepherds and they say this. They say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those, excuse me, among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth with whom those he is pleased. And so as I think through that, one image comes up in my mind all the time. And let me see if you share this with me. This picture of Charlie Brown standing on stage saying, doesn't anyone know what Christmas is really all about? And then Linus comes up and how does he start it? He says what? Lights, please. And he walks out and he quotes Luke chapter 2. And he ends with the angels declaring that God is glorious and that his peace has come. And, and as I thought about that, I've just been walking through what does it mean to you and I, not just at Christmas time, that peace has come. Like, it's here. And so we're going to slow walk through Luke chapter 2 for the next three weeks. But really focusing this week is the angels declare glory to God in the highest. And we talked about that with our children's sermon uh, message last week a little bit, right? That God's glory is, is his name, his renown, it's honor. It's, it's overwhelmingly visible on this night. But then also it's our expectation. It's our hope kind of laid out before us. And so the angels are saying, hey, look, God is incredible. Not only has hope come, but hope will never stop coming. And then they, they transition to this, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. On earth, peace. So I've just been walking through that, and when I, when I have an idea in my mind, I just try to chew on it as much as possible. I try to keep it on the front of my, my mind, you know, what you think about and what I'm looking for and all of those things, and just saw all throughout the week a lack of peace it was uh, even studying last night at Panera Bread, and I was watching as a, as a, a man was trying to recruit another young man uh, into their organization. He said, I want you to read this book, and then this is what happened. This was, this was very in interesting. And these were both, the young man was still grown. He was in his 20s. He, he said, now listen, read that book, but I don't want you to talk to your parents about it until you and I have talked about it first. I was like, peace has not come. I'm like, man, you, you should always, and if, if any, here's a free one. If anyone, okay, I'll listen. Dudes, if, if a lady ever says, don't tell your wife about this, run away. 
Ladies, if a, if a, right, if someone says, oh, don't tell your, like, run away. Kids, if a, if a person ever says to you, hey, check this out, it's totally good. It, you know, this guy, I think he said, sold 60 million copies, but don't tell your family about this until you talk with me. What you should say is, thank you so much for buying my bagel. I'm going to leave because you're a bad person. Like, that's what you should say. That's what you should say. And so, you know, I, I think I wrote two sentences on my sermon as I'm doing this the whole time, trying to figure out. But I'm like, that should suck your piece away completely. And just so you know, the young man did not agree to it. He's, finally, the guy just kept saying, yeah, he just kept saying, uh, well, I mean, I'm just recommending that you can. And I was like, oh, this is so good. Thank you, Lord. Like, I just wanted the valley of the shadow of death to be sitting there, quite honestly. But my peace was sucked away in that moment. And, and as I, this week, I just have been listening for peace. And so I found myself journaling in First Chronicles of all places in chapter 22. And, and, and there's some great stuff about David's life uh, in the book of Chronicles. And, and as I read this passage in my own personal time, I thought about this reality that glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased on earth peace and so listen to what first chronicles chapter 22 verse 17 through 19 says it'll be on the screen as well but but this is david he's getting old and he says david also commanded all the leaders of israel to help solomon his son saying is not the lord your god with you has he not given you peace on every side for he has delivered the inhabitants of the land into my hand and the land is subdued before the Lord and his people. Now set your mind and your heart to seek the Lord your God. Arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God, so that the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God may be brought into a house built for the name of the Lord. You might think, Pastor, what does that have to do with Christmas? Well, let me tell you, this is what's going on. David is getting ready for Solomon to be able to build the temple he's not allowed to build. And what he does is he calls all the people who have been churched for a long time, the leaders of Israel, and he says, listen, don't waste your peace. You have peace on every side. And so while you have peace, I'm telling you, don't waste it. Seek the Lord your God all the time with all of your heart, with all of your mind. Get up and do the work of the Lord. And I just, I just kept over and over, and I'm a huge circler. Don't waste your peace. And I just thought, how often we love to ruin peace, don't we? We love wasting our peace. We fill all that God has given us with busyness and stresses and all of these things that have zero to do to hint with Him. And then we get offended that we... God is not thankful, that he's not grateful, that he's almost like he's not on his, our, his knees giving glory to us. That we give three to four hours of our week exclusively to him. But then we give the rest of our life to all these stressors that wear us out. And our kids tell that story. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with my kids just about the stress that they're feeling from school and from being good at something and from fitting in and from all of these things. And, 
and I think, you know, guys, you need to know that's not real. That doesn't exist. But then I'll have weeks where I'll come home and Christy will say, how was your week? And I said, my chest hurt all day long. That means one of two things, church, right? If your chest hurts, it means you've got something physically wrong that a doctor needs to fix or, or you're giving your peace away. You're giving it away and you're wasting your peace. As I, I kept circling that in my Bible, I thought, David, the peace that he is talking about is nothing like the peace that we have been given. His peace was a temporary peace that would not last forever. And he was just saying, in this temporary peace, stop being about yourself. It's going to lead to a tearing down. We've got a history full of it. Don't waste your peace. But since you have peace, set your mind and heart to seek God. Set your hands to serve Him. Stop being angry that God is interrupting the Netflix show you shouldn't watch anyway. Because He keeps asking you to give up your garbage to experience the joy of His peace. NPR had an article this morning was, was reading through, through it. It's the decline of, of church attendance in America. It's, it's the most rapid decline that we're in that we can trace back on this side of the pond, so to speak. And what it just seems like is we're wasting our peace. And we're making life about a lot of things but we're not using the peace to be who God's called us to be, to live the life he's made for us to be. And so I just want to spend a few minutes not talking about the peace that David had, but the peace that has come. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. The Bible says this about the peace that we experience, that prophets foretold it. For to us, excuse me, to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now this is amazing. David's talking about a time of peace, but Isaiah, long after David, Isaiah is saying, you know, David had, had had one idea, but he didn't even know fully that God would bring the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. That means he would rule over peace. That means that he would have peace to give and take as he desires. That he would have control over peace. But what an amazing thing if we were to think about it and, and don't apply it to your life just yet. If we were to think that, y'all, the Messiah is the one in control of peace. So if you want to have a life where peace allows life to happen and, and things to thrive and flourish, then it would be logical to say, I can't wait for that person to come because I am tired of living overwhelmed, stressed out, not living up to my measures, feeling like I'm horrible, and just being angry all the time. And when we do that... When we live that kind of life, let me tell you what's always waiting for you. The same thing that was waiting for Cain. When the Lord said, Cain, sin is crouching at your door and its desire is for you. 
See, when we are wasting our peace, we're not looking for the Messiah. And if you read the Old Testament, you see example after example after example. It's not temporary peace, but there will be someone who is in control of peace to give and to take away. And then we find ourselves in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Same, same thread. In fact, if you read Luke 2, you'll find it in there. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. It's not just that Isaiah and the prophets foretold about it. It's that the angels proclaimed it. They said, listen, peace has come. It's not that peace is, is a person. Jesus is peace, but he's not only peace. You follow me on that? Jesus is love, but he's not only. God is love. He's not only love. He's also just and righteous and all these other amazing things. So when the angels say this, they're saying the prayers have been answered. What you have been waiting for, a removal of temporary peace, has come. Now chew on that for just a moment. In our world, we don't have peace, do we? I mean, we see about it in Ukraine. We see about it in, in the States. We hear about it in Houston. I mean, there was some gunfire shot, shot, shots fired uh, in Webster yesterday outside of Baybrook Mall, I, I heard. I mean, peace is not the world's currency. What, what Scripture says is not only is, is the peace that God has planned for you not temporary. Two, there's someone who is in charge of it, the Messiah who's in control of it. But three, it's here. It's not something you have to wait for. So when you, sometimes I think when we long for heaven, what we're really saying is, I'm so miserable living with you here, Jesus. I can't wait to live with you there because it's got to be better than this. Y'all, that shouldn't be motivation for heaven. Our motivation for heaven should be God what I'm getting in low doses of you here, I can't get enough of, and so I can't wait until my spoon is bigger and my belly can hold more of who you are. See, that's what peace does. And if we're not experiencing that, then I want to let you know that it's not something that God has not done because peace has come, Luke chapter 2. And it came, and it was Jesus, John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus says this. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but your heart, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, I think at Christmas time we think backwards without thinking present. When God says peace has come, it's not saying don't worry, one day you'll get to know peace. What Jesus says is not only is he peace and has he brought peace, but his peace has overcome the conflict, the stress, the pain of this world. Now pause just for a moment. And I've already confessed, I have sweat weeks where my chest hurts, right? If peace has come, and it has come in one who is the ruler who gives and takes away and that peace can't be overcome should there ever be a moment where we can't live in peace no matter what's going on around us I mean, 
chew on that just for a moment. Should there ever be a moment where we can't experience God's peace? God's peace. Jesus didn't have the easy road. His, his pockets weren't lined with money. His friendships left him. He had some bad friends in his life. I mean, you think you have bad friends? One of his literally sold him to, to be killed. If that hasn't happened to you yet, Jesus had worse friends. All, all of that's in there. But his peace overcame that all of the time. And I think some of the reason that, that Christ and church and discipleship loses its value is because we don't want Jesus to overcome us. Because we want the cheap thrills of youth sports, the cheap thrills of the next show that pops on TV. We live for the next release of And then when we have a moment, we're just so worn out that we want quiet. In fact, we would love for God not to even invade it. You see, church, when the angel says, peace has come, what he is saying is, it's come and it's available to you and it can't be overcome. You can only lose it by forfeit because there's nothing in the world that can take the peace away when you say, God, I don't want it today. I know sin's crouching at my door. That's what I want. The Prince of Peace says, just so that you know, I love you, but I don't need you, so I don't grovel for your attention. So if you want to turn your back on me, then I will let you taste the discipline of living outside of peace because I want you back. I want you to know the difference church the peace that god has provided is not cheap ephesians chapter 2 this is where we'll wrap up a little bit today ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 all the way down through 22 what i wanted you to do is i just want you to see how peace has come i'm seeing a glare here y'all getting a glare out there is anyone getting blinded there a little bit well that didn't do anything so did that do something oh okay good Ooh, that looks better up there that's really good thank you so listen to what ephesians chapter 2 says Verse 12 through 22. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of the promise, having no hope in the world, and no hope and without God in the world. So, so this is what, what, what the Bible is saying, what the Holy Spirit is saying, is, is this is us, and this is God, Right? And what it says is, at one point in time, you and I were separated, right? This is, it's either a fence or a wall, that's your choice, which you want it to be. One day, kids, you can grow up and draw like Pastor David. But he said, one point in time, you were on this side, and God was on this side. And if God, in we see now, through Christ, the Messiah, his son... If this is where peace lies and you're on the other side of it, guess what you were lacking? Peace. In fact, you were lacking the inability of peace. But what's amazing is in your life, church, sin is often the ground and the fertile soil that we form our habits in. I just wish I wanted to read my Bible more. I wish I could read my Bible. I wish I wanted to pray. I wish I wanted to spend time with Christian brothers and sisters, all these things. 
But what we always know is our habits were formed. And what they're saying is you do actually exactly what you want to do. If you want to be educated, you suck it up and go to college. Amen? I mean, some of you like school and you're weird. I get it. It isn't necessary evil for me. We do what our heart is set upon. And what scripture says is, at one point in time, you were separated from God. Look at verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, here's the anything. This is what the Bible says now. Now, God's brought you close. How did that happen? How did Christ all of a sudden bring you and I who were once separated to God? Verse 14 lays it out. It says, For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. See, this wall can't be torn down by how hard you work or how much you want it men we're just going to talk men for a little while here ladies it's not that you're less important by any stretch but guys our women tend to suck up a whole lot more pain and effort than we do at times so that's why i'm leaning into us you can't establish this in your home you can't tear down walls between your family and the king of kings with your intent, your desire, and your hard work. It cannot happen. You are physically unable to. And if you want to live a miserable life, men, you have two ways you can live a miserable life. One, you can pretend that you're going to work until your dying day to break down a wall and give your wife and your children and yourself peace. You will die worn out and miserable. Or you can do what you're most tempted to do. And ladies, you're tempted to as well. I've just never been a lady in my life. You just give up. And you give God a little bit of your life. But you have plans and dreams. But you give God a little bit of your service. But don't give him too much because he shouldn't expect too much. He should be happy. You give him a little bit of your, of your treasure, your heart, your life. Let me, let me just encourage you. If that is your path, this is the worst Christmas message ever. If, if that is your path, a little bit of life, a little bit of serving, a little bit of giving, then you will live the most disappointing Christian life you can ever imagine. In a few years, you'll probably be tempted to not see the value in it anymore. And guess what happens? You're still on this side of the wall. And here's why. Because the only one who can overcome the barrier that divides and takes away your peace is the one who is the Prince of Peace. You see, Jesus does the work in his life because he is in charge of peace by tearing down that which steals your peace. 
And so when the angels say, peace has come, church, among those whom we pleased, what they're saying is, it's here. There has been the overcomer that can tear down this wall and that can allow you to come near to God. And this is what the Bible calls that. It calls it reconciliation. Verse 16 says, and he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. This is why the message of peace matters so much. Because Jesus has already done the work. But what sin wants to do is it wants to say, hey, why don't you come live this life again? You can visit God at Christmas and Easter. Sin wants to pull you away and it desires to have you. But if you want a family that knows only peace, even when times are hard, if you want the peace of God to direct your path, it doesn't take effort. It takes submission. The benefits of of the Prince of Peace laid out for us in our life are clearly stated in Scripture. If you were to read down in verse 6, excuse me, verse uh, 17, 18, 19, 21, 22, you say, if you belong to Christ, if you are his, first of all, you now have access to the Father that you didn't have before. If you are in Christ, then you have access to God because Christ has overcome the barrier between you. If you look down to verse 18, it says, if you are in Christ, if peace has come into your life, then you are a citizen of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What that means is you belong. You belong. I don't necessarily have anyone like this in my life and our families close. But I I know I've been places where people just want to feel like they don't belong because that feels most comfortable to them. If you are in Christ Jesus, you belong. Period. End of statement. Doesn't matter how you dress. Doesn't matter how you style your hair, how educated you are. If your child is the model student or the holy terror, it doesn't matter. You belong. So stop acting like you don't because that's where your peace is stolen and Christ has already overcome it. But not only that, what verse 19, 20, 21, 22 says is, God is still at work in you. He is still at work. You can't imagine what he has planned for you. So run to that. Run to his peace. Live in that. Before we take the Lord's Supper today, church, I just want you to hear when the angel said, peace has come. It wasn't just a, 
woohoo moment. It was life changing. Because in that moment, God made a way for you and us to be reconciled. Can, I don't know if we need to pull my mic down just a hair. But just to be reconciled with him so that your peace would be established. So would you bow with me for just a moment and let's pray. And Father God, Lord, the reality is that, that I often think of that passage like Charlie Brown. It's just a feel-good moment that reminds me that there were shepherds in the field and there were angels in the sky. And they said something awesome. And that's just part of our tradition. I know that that fits sometimes just in my flow. But Lord Jesus, God, it's not that. It's so much more. When the angel said, peace has come, it was the fulfillment of a life most had only dreamt of. So Father God, today, let not that not be something we dream about, but let it be something that we embrace. Father God, peace is not some thought on the horizon it's not something waiting for us after we die. Peace has come. So Father God, I pray that for all of those who are in Christ Jesus today, Lord, Lord, that we wouldn't squander and treat you like the worst Christmas gift. Open you once and put you in the corner, God. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. So, Father God, let us desire that access to you more than we desire access to anything or anyone else in all of creation. Father God, for those who are in Christ, Lord, would you let them know and hear that they belong. But Lord, the way sin has trapped so many is just to remind them you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. Father God... I've never met a boss, a husband, a wife, or a child who is the Prince of Peace, who can has peace to give and to take, only you. So Lord, would you let us know what it's like to belong to the King? And Father God, if there's one person in this room that has not known peace, Lord, would you draw them to your Son, Jesus, the fulfillment of prophecy, God in the flesh, the Prince of Peace. In his name we pray.